Thank you for subscribing to Fun Facts. You will now oh. receive facts. Yeah. Do I want to subscribe? What does this cost? Fun fact. Sloths give birth hanging upside down. <laughs> is that true? Fun fact. The sun's core is 15 times denser than lead. Is that true? Fun fact. Babies are born without kneecaps. That is that true? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're all true. What are we doing right now? <laughs> Isn't that the format of the show? I just yell facts at you. <laughs> you know, that would be a very interesting show. I, I feel, I feel like, like, like I would run out of facts too fast. Yeah, but some of our audience would probably really like that version. <laughs> yeah, if they have a higher fact capacity or like they're less interested in finding out like to what degree these things are true or if there's any <laughs> conditions or... I mean, in some ways we wouldn't need to do as much research, but in other ways we yeah. need to do way more. Cause... Is the whole show just me being like, is that true? <laughs> is that true? What, really? No? Really? <laughs> I was like down 15 times. <laughs> and you just, you just ignore Don't have time. Me. We got to keep just moving. keep going. <laughs> I had to get my quick hit facts out of the way because my other facts are follow-up. We do follow-up at the end, but I'm going to yeah. have to use my fact space for some interesting facts that came our way in response to our discussion of runway numbering. Oh, yeah. People were really... This is maybe the most feedback we've ever gotten about anything. Yeah, which is cool. People like yeah, runways thank and you. know about them. Apparently, we have some flight experts <laughs> in the audience. So last... Uh, yeah. episode we were talking about how airport runways are numbered in decadegrees by their heading that's right so if it's like yeah you know runway 18 it's 180 degrees yeah heading. let me pause you right there for a second someone one of the emails also used the term decadegree yeah but i felt like you used that last time just to be a jackass oh that so i didn't clearly i didn't clearly communicate that no literally there is a thing called decadegrees it's a set of 10 degrees and that's actually a term that I did not invent. Okay, yeah. that's an actual term that people actually use. Okay, I thought you were just being coy and funny. I mean, but you I'm, were actually I'm just... always coy and funny. But there are so <laughs> also a thing called degrees. It's ten. Yeah. I mean, okay. Now you forced me to go onto a tangent, small tangent. That for anyone who doesn't live in a metric-based society, um, mm, you know, like both me. both the non-metric-based society societies that exist out there, which is the United States and that one random country in Africa, um, that deca is one of the prefixes that you can assign to a unit that will make it in sets of 10. Um, so right. deca degrees would I think, be I think most people degrees, know that, right? You know, but you, that's like kind of generally applicable. And so if you want to, if you were ordering, say, uh, packs of 10 hot dogs, then they can yeah. be deca dogs. Right, we need three okay, deca dogs. You, but, but but no one would say that <laughs> deca dog. No, that's like, we say that all the time. At least three. <laughs> Nobody says three or four that. times a day, because that's the size <laughs> yeah, of three the or four times a day. <laughs> Every time you're talking about dogs, like you know, I mean, both either for the hot dogs or if it was ten canines, ten actual dogs. Yeah. Um, but that's an aside point. My point point was that we have these runways numbered in deca degrees by their headings relative to the direction that you're headed when you're going to land on them. And uh, a couple of folks wrote in. Uh, we got messages from Jared Benoit and Aaron Farnham to give us some more info about this system. And I have a couple bonus fun facts that have come out of that. So the first bonus fun fact, since runway headings and compass headings are based on magnetic north, they can actually mm. be disrupted by the slow and relentless process of magnetic drift okay that seems like a problem yeah it's like a minor problem it's like an annoyance but it's interesting yeah oh it's not a big deal well, magnetic it's just minor, drift like... can cause like larger problems of some kinds but it's pretty slow so like it doesn't really okay. add up to much from year to year it's just kind of like eh. but over decades it can accumulate and so what can happen is that magnetic north will shift enough that runways can be required to renumber so that's why they use deca degrees is because if you were asking last time it's like oh why don't they just use degrees like there's like this thing with the deca degree if it's the heading is exactly 180 they should put 180 but if they did that then it could be just a few years later that they need to change it from 180 to 181 and then all of the maps and everything needs to get updated oh that is actually really useful because i i did think i believe i said on the last episode why do this and not just put the third number yeah and i made some bs reason (laughs) jokingly yeah but there actually is a reason Mm -hmm. 
that it would just be too much repainting and changing. And apparently they, the pilots and the airports and stuff really don't like it when they have to change them. It doesn't happen that often, but apparently it happens like disproportionately often depending on where the airport is. So like there's an airport okay. near London that has had to do it because the way that magnetic north is moving is like lateral to some of their their runways if that makes sense as mm -hmm. opposed to if you are if you're in line with the direction it's moving then it's not actually changing the heading wait so okay so they okay i didn't fully understand that one so they they had to change the number because it actually moved enough that more than nine degrees yeah or i mean it gets like rounds to the nearest you know so maybe it could in theory so they had to change the more, six or more the degrees. next the next significant digit yeah but also magnetic north is shifting all the time endlessly yeah so un inside the earth in one direction well not 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 like that it'll all eventually loop all the way around although actually the whole earth polarity does flip like once every million years or no but what i'm but saying is if they had to change it if they actually had to repaint mm -hmm. it then that implies that it doesn't go back to where, like, it doesn't like rotate around a, a point. No, that's... it's not going in like a small circle. It's it shifts um, from year to year. Um, so typically, fairly slowly, like, um, but in accumulation over many years and like centuries and decades, uh, it can move a lot. Um, so like, are they gonna have to paint again the same runway? Eventually, yeah, they will. I mean, all, but not most soon. runways will that are fairly close to magnetic north like in the higher latitudes will from time to time need to deal with this um but like to give a sense of how much the magnetic ch north changes like i had thought of it as being like always like just really in the neighborhood of the north pole like up at 90 degrees at the very top of like our globe of the geographic north um but uh back in the 1800s for example magnetic north was as far down as 70 degrees so like our, like almost touching the mainland of canada like canada is like all these most of the canadian arctic is like all these islands but like canada's still pretty north though yeah but it's like you know 70 to 90 degrees like is a pretty big distance yeah, right like i guess that's true you know? are there any airports in that part of canada uh there are probably not probably local ones. regional yeah probably kind ones of that are only right? operate in the summer or whatever um yeah. and those would just be super effed up <laughs> like because the magnet is just, like <laughs> moving rap so rapidly from yeah. their perspective but they just don't pay they use stickers they that's just fine. stick it on <laughs> just but then <laughs> they are the ice covers everything anyway so it's yeah they have to redo it each year but in, in 1800s the magnetic north was as far south as as 70 degrees uh, in Canada and through most of like kind of modern history, um, magnetic North has been in the sort of Canadian Arctic islands. Um, but it's been, been meandering towards geographic North pole, um, pretty slowly for hundreds of years. And then more recently, since the nineties, it's been moving actually faster and faster, not for any, like, uh, as far as anyone knows, human caused reason, it just tends to change speed over millennia. Um, but more recently, it's been moving up to as much as 40 miles a year, which is, wow. you know, relevant when you're like it's accumulating over decades, uh, 22 feet an hour. So it's just like really blazing. I think that's still probably slower than like a snail, but like, you know, I would like to point out that you did not use the metric system for either of those things. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's called pandering to your audience. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, and by the way, fast follow up. There are three countries in the world that don't use the oh, metric okay, system. Okay, yeah. What are, what are those three countries? They they are the United States, mm -hmm. Myanmar, mm -hmm. and Liberia. Oh, okay. So it's you know it's a coalition. Yeah. And Myanmar has like fifty five million people. So uh, yeah, you know that actually does reasonably increase the number of people. Yeah. So just saying. Although apparently both Myanmar and Liberia are in the process of switching. <laughs> But but Myanmar's been doing that for like twenty years. So I, I feel like it'll if... be less funny if it's literally only America <laughs> as opposed to if it's yeah. America and then these two like fairly random other countries. So I'm gonna send you I, Liberia is not a random country, but whatever anyway. Is Liberia more or less random than Myanmar? I feel like we might be offending I don't think either of them are random. I think you're offending people and I don't think you think you're offending people because I don't think either of those. Countries At what point are does random. a country become random or not random? No countries are random. No countries are random. Well, there's like that one little one that's just like a tiny, tiny dot in between the border. No, of like, no, no, no. It's like uh, it, it, they're all good. They're all good dogs. <laughs> all dogs. <laughs> Fourteen out of ten, good country. Yeah, um, they're all. Yeah, exactly. The I just sent you a link of a, a map of yeah. the pole 
the magnetic north having shifted uh, over time. And you can see that it was sort of in the sort of uh, depths of the Canadian Arctic. Um, yeah. And in more recent years has been scooting right out of Canada and is actually headed relatively rapidly towards Siberia. Uh, so the Russians are uh, commandeering the magnetic north for the, the <laughs> time being. By the way, this was an SVG you sent me, which was awesome because when I zoomed in, it just stayed good. Oh, yeah. That happens every once in a while. It's just kind of delightful. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is so nice. I can still read it. Yeah. So that's the, that's a bit about magnetic drift and how that means that the headings from the perspective of someone who's using a compass, like a uh, pilot um, that's trying to determine the heading that they're flying, um, that actually over uh, decades that shifts enough that even in decade degrees they need to, to repaint some of the runways. They need to repaint, but they don't need to buy a new compass. The compasses still work. Yeah, they just get a software update. <laughs> o- OTA update for my compass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how it works, <laughs> well, I think. Well, I, I, I think this might be a first on the show. I think my, my fact is... You you could argue is actually somewhat related. Oh, okay. Because we always make sure that they're very related, but you're saying that this is like fully related. This one is only tangentially related. Oh, okay. Well, that's still pretty good. And even then, I might be stretching it. You can tell me, but I think they're <laughs> I think they're at least of a of a thematic piece. Okay. Let's say. All right, hit me. Yeah. So, fun fact: we we can't ever know exactly how long the coastline of the usa is or canada or anywhere is this just like a what does length of the coastline even mean type question no kind of no so there's something called the coastline paradox have you heard of this uh no yeah so the the issue here is uh that coastlines are fractals yeah yeah okay so no i think it is yes this is the like what does the length exactly mean because like at what point well, do no, you stop tracing it, every it, in the no, line of it sand? doesn't necessarily mean kind of yeah so i mean you're not wrong but like you know so i want to explain this yeah okay because i think it's very very interesting but also kind of confusing so you know as a general idea if you're trying to measure a curved line you can do that using a straight ruler, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? You just pick a bunch of points along the curve and me- to measure to, and you just add up all the lengths and you just, you know, kind of approximate the, the, the curve. Yeah. But if you only use a few lines, you will get a measurement that is guaranteed to be smaller than the actual length mm-hmm. of the curve. Mm-hmm. Right. And then if you add more lines, you'll get closer and closer to the actual length of the curve. Cause they'll start to line more and more up with the, the curve, even though they never exactly. Yeah. Hit, but the more points right? you add, the closer you'll get. The closer you get. And this is also why if you add more polygons in a video game, things look more like reality. Yeah, and close enough, eventually adding more doesn't really make any visual difference. You're close enough. That That's right. And and calculus has given us the ability to do this math accurately without actually having to do any of the measuring. Thanks, calculus. Yeah, you're, you're great. You're okay. But fr- but, <laughs> but fractals, as you know, do not work that no, way. No, they just go in and in and in and in. And the GIF feels like it's just... Going, yeah, actually we'll looping. include we'll include a, a fractal GIF here. It, lo- it looks like it's a loop, but it's not. It's just going in. So the, the the property of a fractal is that it's a curve whose complexity changes with the scale you are measuring mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. at. So as you measure more closely, there are always more segments to measure. Yeah, and like always asterisk because like I guess at the certain point you get to like atoms, but like. Yeah, well, you will get what I yes. So if you if you measure a coastline at increasingly small scales, all you will do is increase the length you get as a result. Yeah, mm-hmm. you will not increase your level of accuracy. Well, yeah, because accuracy isn't well defined, right? Because if you it, the the point is that on a cur- on a on a typical on a non fractal curve, your uh your you your results converge to a point where the lengths are small enough that they're accurate yeah mm-hmm. right but in a uh, fractal there is always an infinity of more places you can get to accuracy wise yeah or arbitrary so, number again like because of the atoms or whatever but because the cosine isn't like a mathematical fractal that just goes forever never 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 there is a limit but it's like well but no one knows so th- that's the thing you you could theoretically continue to add more and more short lines to the point of infinity and on a theoretical level the coastline length if you measured it with infinity small rulers of infinity small size would be infinity length well no but wouldn't you hit wouldn't you get to the point of atoms and then you would have the, so this is a philosophical speculation because it may not actually reflect re- reality because to your point 
you will eventually it's not really so much about it yes it is in the atomic domain you eventually get to a plank link yeah and then it's like oh well but then what about the electrons or like this but that's a theoretical limit alan that's the theoretically smallest thing right because we can't even measure or see that small so maybe there's even smaller stuff and then where's the edge of the muons or whatever the frick is in there that right whatever's smaller than that yeah okay and you zoom even further and there's like a marble with an entire other galaxy in it yeah exactly and now you're measuring that so you're you're not wrong i know you desperately wanted to get this in there but you're not wrong that there is no practical application but the point is that thinking about theoretical limits of the possibility space for accurate measurement is fun Mm -hmm. and i enjoy that but that's all sounding pretty pointless when it comes and and very theoretical and very like nonsensical but what does it actually have to do with the real world and it turns out that it does actually have real world implications this coastal fractal thing oh okay and that's because and so in 1950 this idea was discovered and that's actually pre-invention of pre-discovery of fractals uh, it was an english mathematician they didn't know about fractals in 1950 apparently not no, I don't know. it was a, an english mathematician named lewis fry richardson and, and it's sometimes called the richardson effect because of that hmm. and the reason this came about is that he was studying the coastlines or the sort of the board border lines between various countries and he wanted to know like if you have longer or shorter border with another country is it more or less likely that you will go to war with them right because yeah okay i can see that that would be an interesting observation yeah and he was just looking for the statistical relationships and he noticed so he was looking at portugal and spain Mm. and he noticed that portugal reported their border with spain as being 987 kilometers and there's some metric for you my friend sure but Spain said their border with Portugal was 1,214 kilometers. Huh. And then it's like, well, that can't both be true. Right. And the reason why they were both reporting different lengths is because they were using different sized rulers to measure it. Right. And that you could get arbitrarily longer and longer. If it was like, please go out and measure a 2,000 kilometer border, you just have to use an appropriately short ruler and you would get that answer. Yeah. So this actually plays out if if countries don't agree with each other about what size or scale to do their surveying at. And we have like all kinds of border disputes around the world as to like, well, we treaty agreed that this was the length of this and it needs to be this. And we talked, we've talked about this in in relation to the Canadian U S border. And if they can't even agree on a measurement standard for it, then they cannot operate in the same reality with each other. Yeah. Which is true for a number of international border disputes. That's exactly right. So this this fractal thing, which Benoit Mandelbrot later included included in his fractal geometry theory, is actually relevant in like real world country disputes. So are you saying that like the idea of fact fractals was in part like originated from someone trying to answer this like boundary thing, and then they're like, wait a minute, it's this thing that just gets smaller and smaller, and we've now discovered fractals. That's kind of my understanding. Yes. Oh wow. I th- I always thought it was like. I, I'd assume Mandelbrot and like coming up with these fractals and stuff would have been like an 1800s acid trip kind of thing, like some of the other math. No, uh, he, he they didn't he, have acid then, but you know, whatever the 1800s <laughs> version of acid was. No, he expanded upon Richardson's uh, ideas. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Which is super yeah. cool. By the way, yeah, that's cool. one other thing that I find absolutely fascinating about this is that um, he, while the length of the curve never converges to a precise figure, so we can't actually know what the length of the coastline say of the UK is the area that it encompasses does converge to a precise figure. Right. So yeah, it is, you're adding irrelevant amounts. So. It is much easier to measure the land mass of an Island than it is to figure out the length of its coastline. Ah, that's interesting. Does, would this like principle kind of in some way actually map to the circumference of any natural object? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't. I would assume yes, but I don't actually know the answer. Because like I can use a measuring tape and say, okay, well, this is my waistband size. Measure my waist. But if you went down to like the atomic level with like a micron thing and went into every like around each hair or whatever, you would get a way longer. Yeah, circumference. Uh, that that's right. But I don't think anyone. I think that uh, the level of resolution of just measuring your waist. And we can like, it's fun to think about the atomic complexities of this, but the, but if I go into a Levi's store and start arguing with them about why I'm actually a 
79 yeah, inch waist they and don't their jeans should fit me they don't care they uh, would not whereas yeah. when trying to measure the coastline of a country it's actually really hard to do that in any fashion right you can't just use one of those floppy measuring tapes yeah it, exactly it's really just really hard so to to answer your your question by the way so uh at the time that richardson published his research it was not particularly like um it was kind of ignored but mm. it it actually is considered to be one of an element in the beginning of the modern study of fractals and Richardson's research was quoted by Benoit Mandelbrot in his 1967 paper, how long is the coast of Britain? Oh, okay. So, so uh, uh, there you go. So, yeah. Oh, huh. cool. Well, that's, uh, I always find it fun when there's something like some domain of study that is newer than you would think, or that at least than I would think. Yeah. Something's actually, yeah, absolutely. Kind of new but I find it really fun to I do find it really fun to think about like the even the kind of one might say pointlessness of like, you know, infinite infinite resolution to a point of like complete nonsense nonsensicalness. There's no fact too pointless. One, <laughs> I'm saying once you get once you get down to like a datameter, right? But you can go way lower than than Yeah, nanometer is a very arbitrary you can go way lower than an atom is all I'm saying. Like, cause a plank mm. plank length is many orders of magnitude smaller than an atom. Yeah. I still kind of have that high school mental model that everything just zooms down to atoms. And then there's, there's just these spheres on sticks, like that <laughs> Bora atomic model from like grade eight. Yeah. There's like spheres on sticks that if you just zoom in more, it's just like a smooth sphere. Yeah. You know what I mean? That holds it. It's like those, uh, tiddlywinks or whatever the ones with like the balls and the sticks i think it's helpful to stay in some realm where because like if you really start to think about like atomic stuff and it's like well okay 98 percent of everything is empty space and then you're like well but i still can't put my hand through this table yeah and like the atoms don't even actually have or the electrons don't even have position because they're actually in superposition or a probability field or whatever exactly nothing can be found anywhere but i still can drive to the super nothing is anything yeah yeah. exactly exactly that's for that 1800s LSD trip. Or that, when we go on our 1800s LSD trip, we'll, we'll do that. We'll put that on the list with the Impossible Burgers. That, that they're kind of the equally likely to happen at this point, I would say. I feel like they, I had a chance to have an Impossible Burger and I didn't take it up. The other I've day. had so many chances to do it that I haven't uh, taken up because I care about our friendship. I have not had many opportunities to have an 1800s LSD trip. Although apparently there's like progress happening in Canada, at least on like they're trying to uh legalize and or like increase uh psychedelics access for therapeutic reasons oh, okay i thought you were gonna say they were starting to invent a time machine that could take you back to the 1800s which would be far more that feels like a more difficult than legalizing lsd i don't know i don't know i'm not sure yeah yeah, yeah we're gonna make one of those long bets <laughs> yeah, that sounds good let's bet an impossible burger <laughs> i i have uh my second fact is also a runway follow-up fact um, i had no idea this was coming so, <laughs> so we were talking about how, um, as part of that conversation about how planes decide what runway to land on. Yeah. Um, and we were like, okay, well, I guess air traffic control tells them. Um, but in larger airports, they have that, but, uh, there's some airports that are, don't have a tower at all. They don't have air traffic control. And even if they do have air traffic control, there's actually kind of an algorithm that Pyle is used to try and pick a preferred runway, what runway makes sense to land on. Um, And that is specifically the runway with the most headwind and the least crosswind. Uh, That makes sense. Yeah, I was a little surprised by this because... I just don't know how they know there's no plane on there. Well, if you're all coming in the same direction... And it's good visibility. Oh, I don't think because with the you're all coming ones, from different directions. Yeah, I, I honestly, yeah, I didn't do this side research. I thought exactly the approach the would be the same though, because like if you're coming into an airport, yeah. don't you always kind of approach the same? Yeah, you approach from the same. If you're going to the same um, runway, I think they approach from. I mean, by definitely, it's coming from the same direction. But uh, I, are I they are, are the runways that? like different to each other that that you approach and that like enough of a difference that the wind would be going like a relatively a different direction yeah well a lot of uh, airports have like two or three runways that are come that are in different directions right huh. so there might be like a, a north south one and east west one let's say um although I, often airports do try to lay out their runways so that they are actually uh often because there's a, most places have predominant wind from one direction so they'll runway make a disproportionate number of the runways lined up so that the wind will be going yeah to maximize them. their chance 
yeah, that depending on the weather, that they'll that they'll be oriented the right way. Um, but uh, yeah, so they don't want crosswind, left and right wind, no good when you're trying to land or or take off. Um, but they want wind blowing towards them, which I was like, okay, well that makes sense for uh, landing. I guess it would like slow you down. But that's actually not why that they want it. It's so that the extra wind going over your wings will give you more lift. More lift. Yeah. So the air. Why do I the, want more lift if I'm landing? Uh, because if you have more lift, then you can be going slower and not fall out of the air. Oh, it's a, a smoother landing. Well, a safer landing at a lower speed, right? Because if you have to come in at a higher speed, then you have to lose all that speed after you've landed, right? And so if you can come in, if there's a really high wind coming towards you, like in theory, a high enough wind, like, you know, probably there's other problems going on. But in theory, you could have a high enough wind that the plane would be like able to have no ground speed and just be floating in the air and there's so much wind just going like you see like hawks do that yeah right? like or like a sea birds like and stuff like that that there'll be kind of like a wind coming up over a hill or so or a yeah they're doing nothing foot. yeah and they're just floating there and they're looking around for prey um I, so i would have assumed that the reason you wouldn't want crosswinds is that you wouldn't want them blowing you off your ta- like your path yeah you don't want the left or right crosswinds because you don't want it blowing off you off your path especially yeah. if they're like gusty and like coming yeah yeah yeah. that'd be very dangerous um but you don't want tailwind because that actually reduces how much lift your wings are getting because the way Ah. the wings are wings are shaped is the wind flowing from the front of the wing to the back of the wing that lifts it up well and and at this point you don't want to go faster anyway you You don't want to go go faster anyway but interestingly when you take off you still want to take off into the wind because it helps you get up. Because it helps you get up. Because you would yeah. think, oh, well, the wind is pushing you back. It's going to make it harder to take off. But it doesn't. It actually makes it easier to take off because your goal to take off is not to have a certain amount of speed against the ground. It's to have a certain amount of lift. It's a certain amount of lift, a certain amount of speed yeah. against the air. That's and cool. And so, again, in theory, you could be taking off. And if there was like a very perfectly timed hurricane with very specific angle winds <laughs> and a bunch of other things. I'm not flying into a hurricane, Alan. We're not doing it. That is not a fun fact field trip. But if you get like a, you know, 300 kilometer an hour wind just yeah, straight no, down no. the runway. No, thank you. Straight and narrow. Nope. Then the planes would just lift right off. And Not that's doing the, it. apparently they have to actually tie the planes down when they're. Yeah. There. yeah. I want them to. And I don't want yeah. to be in them. Just like blowing them away. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is very interesting. Yeah. So that's a, just a tip for you. If you ever happen to be uh, in uh, an airplane during a very specific hurricane like wind occurrence. Yeah. I mean, who hasn't? I mean, it happens from time to time, but I was like, well, I can't, I can't lift off. This is the wind's all <laughs> going to slow me down. But actually, actually. But yeah, it's going around, around, it's going to create that lift. Yeah. So thanks to the fun factors who sent us emails. Yeah. Send thank you. These follow-up uh, facts, put these on our radar. Uh, and we appreciate all the messages that people sent. We um, do. Please send messages, leave reviews on iTunes or wherever. What is it? Not called iTunes anymore, right? Music. It's Apple Podcasts. But that's oh, Apple Podcasts. that only happened right. like four years ago. So we're still, it's just a recent change. We're still adjusting. Actually, I think on the website, I still, it still says iTunes. I got to change it. Okay. Yes. They're not going to feature us until we, they get, they don't like it, right? If you, if they're like looking at your show and they'll like investigate your marketing materials and they don't like it if it's like not to the latest standards. That makes sense. I yeah. think they want you to be up to standards they haven't even told you about yet. I probably, presumably. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I have a topic. That is so fun hmm. and so factual hmm. that one fact was not enough. Oh, okay. All so right. I, I have not one, not two, but three facts in one, Alan. Well, that, and that's completely coincidental to, as to how that, that's how I started the show. That's it's true. Yeah, no, no, you did not know this was coming. I am now subscribed to Arc Facts. Yeah, exactly. This is the long version of the thing you did at the front. Okay, well, let's try them both and then do like an A-B test and see what Yeah, we'll see how people, what people like. So, yeah, yeah. fun fact. Okay. We almost had lab raccoons instead of lab rats. Oh, hmm. That seems like it would be harder to deal with. Yeah, so I got this fact from my lovely wife, Daria, and I was surprised to, to learn this for that exact reason. But apparently in the early 20th century, there was a bunch of U.S. psychologists who preferred raccoons for their uh, psychology experiments Hmm. because they believed that the natural curiosity and intelligence of the raccoon was just shy of monkeys. And so it would make a great fit for testing. Right. So they're like, okay, it's not as complicated to acquire or difficult to manage as the monkey, but it's almost as smart. Yeah. So this is perfect. So let's use these instead of using mice who are not 
or rats, which are not thought of as super clever, uh, or monkeys, which are... But very... Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, and unsurprisingly, <laughs> raccoons being really hard to manage were not really... <laughs> Like it didn't really work out very well. They would they would uh, gnaw the cage bars. Mm-hmm. They would, thing a they would, would do. And, and, yeah, get out, hide in the ventilation systems. Uh-huh, probably steal and, stuff and and pickpocket the scientists. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, interesting behavior check. Yeah, but but Where's some of the some of these scientists were so like into the the idea of the raccoons. They actually tried to breed them to be more docile in the thirties. That would actually be kind of cool because like raccoons if you get over the fact that they're like vicious trash pandas are, are really so cute. cute yeah, yeah i know you want them to not be awful it was completely unsuccessful uh, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it's one of those like if humanity had for some reason done it like over millennia by now yeah they yeah, would just they'd be, be great they'd be awesome yeah they're kind of spherical and round and they got the cute bushy tails that's and right would pet them and they would probably snuggle but, the, yeah. but it's not like uh some scientists spend a couple years doing it no, so instead we've got rice. instead we've just got lab rats. Yeah. Instead of the way cooler lab raccoons. Yeah. No. You need you'd need more food, you'd need more everything. It seems oh, like Oh yeah, it would no, be no. It's un, mostly unsustainable. Worse, but cuter rats not super cute. Not super cute. No. But um, also cuter than harder to do some of the testing they do cuz you do, you know. Some of the psychological testing seems pretty mean. So, well, I mean, a lot of the t- animal testing is wrong and awful. Yeah, I mean, it's the, equally wrong and awful, regardless of how cute it is. But people definitely get much more upset depending on. How cute yeah, so maybe it'd be easier to protest this stuff. I don't know. Yeah, get people get people on board. Anyway, it's like if it's, if they if they're not willing to do the experiment on a cute thing, then like maybe we shouldn't do the experiment. That's that's right. If you maybe can't do this, on, have to be on cute. If you can't things, do like this on a cute like thing. Mean, I'm gonna bring a koala bear in, and if you can't do this, we're not doing it. And it's also endangered. But <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> All right, so okay. fun fact. Okay. You can find raccoons in various parts of the world, mostly for pretty unexpected reasons. Okay. So raccoons, I don't know if you know this, but they're native to North America. That seems true. Yeah, that I is I actually true. would have assumed they were only in North America. Yeah, so I would have assumed they were only in North America too, well, but, but they're I, not. But there's a Japanese raccoon-like character well, so yeah, so let's talk about that. So in Japan, a 1977 anime series about a cute pet called Rascal the Raccoon hmm. led to roughly 1,500 raccoons a month being imported for oh, no. kids. Importing like as if they thought they could be pets, but like they as we they, they imported them to be cannot... to be pets. Yeah, it was not successful. It was not successful. But by 2004, their descendants lived in 42 of the 47 prefectures of Japan. Mm-hmm. And have caused an estimated $275,000 in agricultural damage on Hokkaido alone. Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of asked for that one. Yeah. So that is the number two favorite story I have of this. But the number one one is in Germany, which is the second biggest raccoon population in the world. Oh, okay. And the German experiment was initially intentional. Uh, I guess the Japanese one was too, but I'm saying like Germany was initially importing raccoons to breed them in farms so they wouldn't have to import the fur oh okay so it was yeah okay raccoon fur yeah yeah so the first four wild raccoons were introduced in 1934 by a poultry farmer who received permission from the prussian hunting office to quote-unquote enrich the fauna it sort of seems like that would not be a great origin if you have poultry to i don't know maybe they just didn't know much about raccoons (laughs) Yeah, so that's four that were released in 34, okay? Okay. A second population was added to the to the wild population in 1945 when, uh, during World War II, an airstrike hit a fur farm, one of these fur farms, east of Berlin, and around 25 raccoons escaped into the wilderness. Hmm, okay. So all told, we have 29 wild raccoons, okay? In two different parts of the country, and they're actually, they can tell which raccoons come from which of these initial events, because uh, one of the groups is infected with some parasite and the other isn't. Okay. But at any rate, by 1956, the four raccoons that were released in Hesse had grown to 285 raccoons. Hmm. And by 1970, they numbered roughly 20,000. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. In the whole of Germany, uh, by 2008... There were two hundred to four hundred thousand raccoons. 
And by 2012, it was more than a million. Yeah. They are now considered an invasive species and hunted. I mean, they were always an invasive species there, but... Right, but now... But they were protected for a long time. Now they're hunted. Yeah. They're they're hunting like tens of thousands of raccoons a year being hunted in Germany because they're such an ecological nightmare. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be able to stop those. They're pretty tenacious... They'll eat a anything. They're spread. A I mean, million raccoons. Yeah, uh, they're going to be everywhere, and they're going to uh, be. They're just going to conquer all of, like Eurasia, basically. Yeah. Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just this didn't make it. This is a. This is a. This fun fact is not the third fun fact. But I'm just going to slip it in because I find it fun. Uh, the 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 black eyes that they have around. You know, the the thing that mm-hmm. looks like they're wearing like a cool robber mask. That actually has a very practical purpose, and oh, it's really? the same. Yeah, it's the same as how football players like put black stuff under their eyes. Oh, it keeps the glare off of raccoons' eyes when they're at night and the light is is bouncing off them. Oh, okay. It so it's completely completely practical and extraordinarily cute because they yeah. look like little robbers. Yeah. So that's a sub fun fact, but my but the third fun fact, fun fact, former U.S. President Calvin Coolidge. Hmm pardoned a raccoon in 1926 and then kept it as a pet even though they're terrible pets yeah so this one comes from the things sure were different safety wise in the 20s and 30s corner that we one of my favorite corners to be honest so this story is that apparently in november of 1926 a live raccoon was sent to the coolidge white house intended as a thanksgiving dinner gift a gift like you have this well apparently raccoon. at the time raccoon was a common dinner meat in certain parts of the usa uh, okay I, it's if you look back at the history of like the 20s again 20s and 30s very different there's a lot of meats that we don't really eat anymore that were apparently really common at that time yeah well i mean like pigeon squirrel raccoon raccoons. yeah they really should they should find the should be like spargle like uh white asparagus season in germany and they'll go crazy for it. anyway uh at any rate so Pre- president coolidge was not a a raccoon meat eater mm-hmm. and uh he instead he pardoned it using the same weird u.s thanksgiving tradition i don't know if you know about this yeah usually the president involves pardoning a, per- a turkey uh-huh yeah but then what Very happens weird. to the turkey like is it a pet now or they go back to the farm and they just get to live okay <laughs> yeah great so what a glorious life of a from turkey farm yeah i don't know how great that is. anyway so his <laughs> keeping the raccoon as a pet i, I would argue seems pretty odd but apparently the Coolidge family was was kind of like famous for like being like lovers of all animals to the okay. point that people I guess this was a very different era. Again, people would regularly like like random citizens would regularly send them unsolicited pets. <laughs> not that would not be considered welcome in our home. No, you couldn't <laughs> do that. And just sending us an animal. <laughs> if someone randomly sent me a, an animal that I now had to be responsible for, I would be extremely unhappy. Yeah. yeah. So this included, quote unquote, more dogs than we could take care of, which is what Coolidge wrote later in his autobiography. But also cats, canaries, a black haired bear from Mexico, mm. an African pygmy hippopotamus and a pair of lion cubs that the president very affectionately named Tax Reduction and Budget Bureau. <laughs> <laughs> Budget Bureau. Which is just that's that's special. Okay. Yeah. So by the by the Christmas of nineteen twenty six, the raccoon had gotten a name and a collar that read Rebecca Raccoon of the White House. Okay. Although apparently at the same Christmas, the Coolidge's son received a raccoon fur fur coat, which I don't know, I don't know how that, that I don't know how drama. Rebecca felt about that. Yeah, I don't know. And by nineteen twenty eight, the Coolidge's had actually adopted a second raccoon companion for Rebecca. Okay. Named Reuben. Sure. But like it was constantly a problem. Like Rebecca was like destroying furniture. <laughs> it's a fucking raccoon. Getting out of Camp David and climbing up trees. Uh, like wandering the, the White camp, House. Like, they would bring it around. Like they would be like, oh, we're going to trip. Yeah, yeah. The they would take Rebecca in like carriage rides in like two places. Rebecca would like fall asleep on Coolidge's like lap at night. And uh, they just would escape all the time and cause all these havoc and rip up everything. So eventually they were they were donated to the National Zoo. Mm. And uh, it is now illegal to have a raccoon as a pet in D.C. Yeah, because they were like, what is going on with this? Because it's a terrible idea. It's a bad idea. I mean, I would love it if it was a good idea. Yeah, I know, because they're so cute. Um, I had mentioned at the very beginning about Jeff. I was thinking of Jeff, the Japanese raccoon character. Uh, yeah. Apparently, Tanuki is the character I was thinking of. Oh, um, the Tanukis are different. The Tanukis right? are different. They're raccoon dogs. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah, a dog yeah. that looks like a raccoon, not 
an actual yeah. raccoon raccoon. So so um the word raccoon, of course, you know, I couldn't resist, you know. Yeah, of course. The, the, <laughs> this is now into our fourth raccoon fact. <laughs> I think it's actually our fifth raccoon. Well, and then there's the Tanuki thing. <laughs> oh yeah, our sixth raccoon fact. But the word raccoon, it it comes from a um like a, a a Native American word that means um that refers to the fact that the raccoons use their hands. Oh. Okay. So it's it's uh, the English word raccoon comes from a Powhatan word, which I don't know how to pronounce, which means animal that scratches with its hands. Okay. And the Aztecs went in a similar direction when naming the raccoon. They named it uh, after one who takes everything in his hands. Well, yeah. And uh, that word has ended up as being the primary word for raccoon in Spanish. Okay. So most, most languages in the world uh, refer to raccoons by the fact that they... Um, wash themselves mm-hmm. so like in in german it's wash bear oh wash bear can, okay yeah and in and it's also wash bear in in norwegian in chinese huh. washing bear in hebrew washing bear in japanese but my uh favorite of all of those is is in french the the raccoons are called raton laveu which means little wash rat yeah uh-huh which is just <laughs> the most french it thing yeah. it's just the most french thing to do sure. i really feel like just like ah, the little wash rat. Apologies to everyone French out there for that horrific accent <laughs> and in a, inappropriate stereotyping of your entire uh, population. But you know, I like it being called a bear wash more, rat. just because the idea. Yeah, of a bear wash is bear is cute. Wash bear. and like red red pandas look like raccoons. Oh, as red well. pandas really are just cute. a delight. Red pandas are the cutest animal yeah. I think that lives. Like so, I imagine yeah. that the YouTube videos I've seen of them maybe overstates their suitability as a pet, but it definitely seems much more suitable than a raccoon. And so cute. And so cute. I wish there was a world where raccoons would be good pets. Oh, God. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I would. I mean, you know, did you ever play the video game Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus? No, I've heard of it. It's pr- probably my favorite video game mm, of all time. Mm. Yeah. I assume that there's a raccoon in it. Yeah. Well, yes. The Sly Cooper is a raccoon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's great. So. I also now want a red panda, though. Oh, I've, I mean, are you kidding me? I've wanted a red panda every day since I discovered red pandas. Yeah. So. I don't think you're supposed to take them. <laughs> I, well, I, and I haven't. Okay. Uh, well, I'm just I've, letting you know. Does I've, it sound I've, like you were maybe gonna? I mean, if no one was looking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously. But I just mean like you would get in trouble if someone saw you. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if you do, uh, if you get an opportunity, just take care of it. Be nice. You know? We have 560 facts to get through this episode. <laughs> the top 560 facts you need to know. You ha- must know. Yeah. I, uh, okay, so it evolves over time. But there's a, this art of clickbait titles that oh, yeah. articles always are kind of trying to change them up. Because like we've seen like you know the top seven things. Like that's yeah. just played out, right? But, but the out. one that's been more popular in recent years that I always don't want to click on is anything that's like... Everything you need to know about X, if right? Because I don't need to know about. <laughs> that's right. It's always things that I need to know nothing about. Yeah, everything you need to know about Clueless. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, or I don't like, need to know anything. This about it. person's new significant other. The, the yeah. five facts you need to know, and I'm like, I don't know that <laughs> I, really I understand don't. your usage of the word need. Yeah, if it was like the five facts you need to know about your civic duty to vote in the following election, I would be like, okay, that's a. But that's not I'm like, oh, I need to know those. Those no. are needs or the five things you need to know if an earthquake happens or, yeah. you know, it's not whatever. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I don't that 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 sort of headline. But you know what sucks is that sometimes I see there's like a headline like that. But for some whatever reason, I want to click on the article. Mm. But you don't want to teach it. But I don't want to you, teach it. That's exactly right. I don't. I'm like, oh, I don't want to teach you that this worked mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because, the, the you know, algorithms they're just very bad at determining intent yes very bad and i okay i've started you know we talk from time to time about google news and how i still use it and it's like i probably shouldn't use it but it's no you definitely shouldn't but like over time i've also started to realize there's a thing about me which is maybe not or it's definitely not rational but it's kind of like just a way my brain works Mm. is that i sort of enjoy the teaching of and then observation of those recommendation engines so like, no yeah i think that's i don't think you're alone on that one something kind of fun about like t- 
telling like Google News will suggest something. I'm like, oh, you picked up on that. I'm interested in obscure electric vehicles that are maybe never will even come to Canada announcements or whatever. And it's like, all right, I'll click on. I'm not going to buy a Ram uh, <laughs> electric truck or whatever. But I'm like, all right, I'll you click might. on that. I'll see. I'll reinforce your like observation of my curiosity for this topic and then sometimes then getting to see later then it's like gone too far off and it's like an <laughs> like uh a, i don't know electric boat or something like that i'm like no too far okay back it off like the, uh, yeah the other week i was like i was you know i was i was in the search part of instagram mm-hmm. which for my instagram at least had become like a like an awful place like the because they they use the search Sex violence and rock and roll well, kind of. Yeah, they, they use the search place to show you things they think you want to see. Yeah. And I did not appreciate their opinion of what it was I wanted to see. So then I thought to myself, I, I wonder, I know that that saving things is like the uh, the, the number one signal, supposedly. Saving. I didn't even know that I had the saving. Yeah, you can save stuff. No one really does that, I don't think. Hmm. But anyway, I, or I don't really do it. But so I was like, okay. I'm going to test this out. So I was like, okay, what are like two random things that I see nothing of in my current feed that I could like see if I could get them to show me only. And so I I chose um, like 40s era Hollywood (laughs) and photos of books in people's houses, like bookcases. Okay. The latter I could see being like a theme enough that it could pick up on. No, no. I was extremely successful on both of those. Oh, okay. And for like a while, my entire feed was like black and white photos of celebrities and uh, books, like architectural book shots. But uh, after I successfully did that, then I stopped going to that page all the time because I don't actually spend much time there. And in I went there today and I noticed that they have uh, they have strayed. Hmm. Yeah, they're like, well, this isn't working. Let's try other things. Yeah. So now they're experimenting again. Uh, And uh, so you really have to like go in there and keep saving like the five things you see that match your thing. I know that, uh, I believe friend of the show, Marco Arment has successfully trained his Instagram to only show dogs and watches. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and that sounds great. So you just pick, pick something that you find delightful and just like learn the, learn the algorithm to, to only, to only show you that. I, we talk about this from time to time. I think I have never really figured out how to, instagram like i don't it doesn't it doesn't really by default it's fairly challenging for me to like get good use out of it because i both don't really take pictures of things that i feel like other people care about i just take pictures of like just normal photos of my kids most of the time and then when i'm looking at the picture feed like i like seeing pictures of other people to a certain degree but it's like know people's food and their pets and them doing stuff and i'm like yeah it doesn't give me like the endorphin loop that all the other social networks do which is not true for most people it's just like the way that i'm I'm wired but from time to time i'll come back to instagram and i'm like so many people get so much joy out of this i feel like i should like i just need to it's about how you teach the algorithm and what you follow like in the way that twitter initially i was like "Ah, i don't really get it this and then eventually i followed the right people and unfollowed the right people such that i'm like oh actually this is really useful to me now and so i come back periodically and the thing that i've been te- trying to teach you recently that has been helping is that i like web comics with cute topics okay and it's happy to show me lots of that and so my research thing is mostly web comics with cute topics and then character design like artists that they do design characters either for games mm. or mm-hmm. animation or whatever yeah um, and and concept art and so it's like mostly that but then sometimes it's just like boobs and then it's just like yeah but i think you might be a guy so how about this and like i don't I think, think i'm yeah. teaching it that but i think it's just yeah. like i don't use it enough so it's regresses to the mean no i would guess that the overlap of people who are really into web comics and the people who want to see boobs is actually pretty high there's probably i mean it's not a complete overlap but no but it's probably a, a, a lot of i mean it's enough area. algorithmically that it's like i think that the the way the reason that i find instagram very useful and actually the only social network that i'm really ever on regularly at this point is because i only follow uh people i actually know mm-hmm. and a lot of my friends are living far away from me mm-hmm and a lot of them have, you know, spouses and children and whatnot. 
And it is a way to very low contact, like what Facebook used to do, which is just like, I just want to sort of feel like I still know you and have some idea of what you're doing. And were I to talk to you randomly, I would at least have some context as to what is going on in your life. And it provides that for me. I don't find uh, but, like, I feel like Instagram, I have a, I don't get that from as much. I don't use Facebook much, but when I do peek into it, I feel like Facebook has learned to show me the things that make me feel that way about the people that I still would like to see things from, which is not all the people I care about, but like when it does show me those things. And one thing about Facebook that I find myself, I find myself reading the things that people type more than looking at the photos. So I'm like, oh yeah, okay, mm. they did a thing, but then they're- Well, you're a, a, but you're a Twitter guy. I'm a quick Twitter guy. So that Facebook experience is closer to Twitter. Whereas yeah. I, I quite dislike on Instagram the fact that the captions, some are often not really the main point. So people don't necessarily put a lot of effort into the caption. Are you and not- if they do put effort into the caption, it's just very subtle. Like it's like the text, the font is almost exactly the same of the posters ca- caption versus people's comments and- I feel like maybe you're using Instagram in kind of an old manner. Are you not using stories? Oh, no. I never know. Yeah. So that's the only thing that's good at this point for the most part about Instagram, unfortunately. And Uh that's why they're about to destroy Instagram and make it a TikTok clone. But like the 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 thing that's good about Instagram now because no one curates their like either people overly curate their actual timeline or. Or whatever, but like the the actual timeline of of photos is pretty useless at this point. Okay, it, okay, all it's right, all good, about the sense. it's all about the stories. But do you need sound for the story? I don't want sound. No, that's the thing. I don't use sound almost ever. Oh, okay. Occasionally, I'll turn it on if I'm really interested in what someone's posted. Okay, I'd always assume with stories, like I basically never engage with it for two reasons. One is I always assumed that the lower effort content would end up going there, so then it's like. Well, why? Look well, at that? It, it no, it might be lower effort. It probably is, but what it is is everyday stuff. Yeah, okay. and that's what you actually want. So, if what you're looking for is what I described, like a way to kind of feel like you hung out with your friends that you didn't hang out with, then them, you know, showing you that they're working in their garden or whatever they're doing, is something that they're not going to post in posterity, right? But if they're just showing you around what they're doing for ten seconds. And you just watch it. And if it's boring, you just skip it. It's very easy to skip. Um, then you at least feel like, oh, okay, I know what they're up to. And it's it's just extremely low. And I mean, I don't post stories. I still post to Instagram like the like my generation of Instagram users, which is that I only post to Instagram if I'm doing something I think is, you know, really interesting or I'm on a vacation or something and I took a photo I think is good. Uh, you know, then I'll post it. Uh, you know, that's the only time I ever post. But my most of my friends post all these stories all the time. And yeah, a lot of them are not that interesting. But there's something about watching them that is nice. And there are some that are really interesting. And I even find myself commenting on them, which is pretty wild. You know, most like, you know, quick stuff. When you comment on a story in Instagram, does it just send them a DM? Yeah. <laughs> which I like. No. Because I don't want anyone. No, I don't want anyone to see what I'm saying. Well, but then I'm having a conversation and then like kids are running no, around and you, they feel like I'm going to respond to their response. And what? I don't know. Is that not what that's not someone DMing you? Do they not feel like they're going to get a response or they should get a conversation? No, they usually just like double tap it to like it or like post oh, you can like a DM now. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK, I don't know. We if are I've ever so Instagram DM'd before. pointlessly <laughs> off topic. 